I've been on vacation for this whole time of August. Ugh, I feel good. I look good. I smell good. Are you good? Hello, everyone. Pleasure to be back. Being here and scientifically sound, you know who it is. It's Ralph from the South, and I'll knock your taste out your mouth. I kid, of course, but... If you're a first-time listening to this, this is Scientifically Sound, hosted by me, Ralph. We're bringing science, we're bringing music to a creative forefront where we can all learn together. As I've said before, I've been on vacation for a little bit. I went back home to Atlanta, Georgia by way of Stone Mountain to see my family. I got to see some friends along the way. Shout out to my boys, Dakari, Caleb, and shout out to Lawrence. It's such a pleasure to see people you haven't seen in a while. While I was home, I was hanging out with my mom and dad. We actually got to go pick up my little brother from Johnson C. Smith University because he did his first research opportunity involved environmental biology. He would tell me about all these things. They looked at creeks. They did a lot of work in fish. They did a lot of work in field. And it's such an exciting moment to see my little brother grow up. So shout out to Daniel. I love you. I miss you. I'm glad. He's in senior year, y'all. He's senior year in college at Wingate University. So I'm hype. I'm excited. He's going to kill it. And to my brother, guess what? Sensational. <laughs> He'll get that. And if you don't get that, you're, you're pretty much out of it. I also got to be a part of a conference called ComSciCon. And ComSciCon is a science communication conference. And ultimately, it was a fun time to get to know and meet other science communication science communicators out there that are just like me doing their thing in their respective fields. Some have podcasts or forming podcasts. Some are actually entailed in doing a lot of outreach and policy work. And we got to meet a lot of like career like people that have different careers within science communication, whether it's in entertainment, whether it's in actual policy, whether it's actually getting creative and doing a lot of artistic work or just focusing in on DEI work. And so it was such a blessing to meet a lot of you. I'm so glad I got to be a part. Shout out to Jay Gardner, who is one of the co-founders of JKX Comics. She kept pressuring me to actually apply for 
this conference and I'm glad I did. I'm blessed to know her. Also, big news. I, about a year ago, I, and this is during COVID, I would apply for the F31 grant, right? And I think everyone like me were struggling throughout 2020 in terms of writing papers or writing manuscripts or getting ready for defense or just doing lab work. And I don't know what my mind was going into being like, you should submit an F31 in this crazy time in your life. And so I did, and I didn't hear back for such a long time. And for those of you who have applied to NIH grants, you all know it takes a minute. Like they won't notify you at all until like the review happens and they'll notify you again whether or not you've been rejected or you actually got the grant. But while I was home and this was in the works, we found out that I got the F31. We got the fellowship, which means I have my own independent funding. I'm not getting paid by my PI, I'm getting paid by the NIH, y'all. I'm so excited, I'm so blessed to actually been able to secure that and especially getting that news on vacation like that hyped me up the entire time I was there and lastly now I'm back and I'm back to lab and I don't know about y'all have y'all ever struggled with just returning to lab after a vacation like you go out you hang out with your friends you do some crazy things you meet with people you eat with people you just enjoy yourself time away from work and then you return to lab and sometimes it's an exciting moment. I know I'm excited because I've gotten news about some cells that I've been waiting on, but also I just really wanna chill. These, this is the eternal struggle of just doing science. Sometimes it's exciting, but the work is always straining, which is why you went on vacation. Well, those cells aren't gonna feed themselves. I better get the media out anyway. Today's story I want to give you in terms of the podcast is kind of in a different format. What I'm presenting to you is the result of me attending ComSciCon. Now, when you go into ComSciCon, there is this thing called a write-a-thon. And so the expectation is that you submit a piece of writing of any kind. And for me, because I do a podcast and because I do, you know, more so style radio type show, I submitted a script, you know... I write a lot of the things that I talk about when it comes to this show, but I've never written in such depth for a point for this piece to be submitted and to be evaluated by people. And when it came down to it, I realized that I gotta step it up to another level. And so I hope you enjoy. There will still be the style that you're used to, but there will be some things here and there that you might notice that's different. Today's story. We're headed to Tina Marie and getting behind the groove of DNA. I'm excited to share it with you. Let's go. You hear that? That bass line? See, that was the core. That was the core of the song I'm here to share with you today. Hey, come here. Come with me into my mind for a second. Today's song came to me as I remember family friend get togethers, rides to Nashville with my family to see my aunt and cousins, 
and making old school playlists. You know, when I worked back at a radio station on college, in college. And in this song, he uses this word called Xanadu. Xanadu. Xanadu is a word that's used to describe opulence. I want you to imagine, you know, great wealth and riches. Kind of similar to that scene in Disney's Aladdin in the cave. You know, before, you know, Jafar portrayed Aladdin and he became trapped with a talking genie and a lamp. And for us scientists and science lovers, opulence, Xanadu, maybe it's gonna be the great wealth of knowledge we gain. Cause according to Schoolhouse Rock, knowledge is power. And it's where we're headed when we begin to shake our bodies with Tina Marie, also known as the Ivory Queen of Soul, and her smash hit, Behind the Groove. It was in 1980 when Tina Marie would put out her album, Lady T, her nickname album, which contains this hit. It was produced by Richard Rudolph, the husband of the late Minnie Ripperton. Fun fact, Maya Rudolph, you know, the actress, comedian, just overall queen, at just seven years old, recorded vocals on this album in the song Too Many Colors. But anyway, in Behind the Groove, off top, you're gonna hear a lot of percussion, a lot of orchestration with horns, saxophones, and guitars. Hearing all that in the song, and I encourage you all to listen to it, for me, it's the coordination. It resembles communication in a cell. But it's really in the lyrics where we get to find that Tina Marie may know a little something, or maybe hinting at some science and some history. And it's in these lyrics that you hear this. Behind the groove, there's another side inside of you. Behind the groove, you can make your wildest dreams come true. Run that back because that was so dang beautiful. It's a beautiful chorus. And as we head deeper into Xanadu, I find that Tina Marie may be talking more than just moving and grooving. What I think she also could be talking about are the grooves that are found on DNA. Am I saying that DNA can groove too? I sure am. When we think about the grooves in DNA, we have to go back to the 1950s when the structure of DNA was determined. Scientists James Watson and Francis Crick are famously known for discovering the structure of DNA, which is the double helix, which only came from the outstanding work of others, including that of the wronged heroine of science named Rosalind Franklin. Now, I say wrong, but let me give you more historical context. In 1962, while James Watson and Francis Crick were nominated for and won the Nobel Prize in Medicine, she was never nominated. And this is due to her unfortunate death four years earlier from ovarian cancer. 
The Nobel Prize Committee at the time never really considered posthumous awards to give. When it comes to Rosalind Franklin's work, she used a technique called X-ray crystallography to determine the structure of DNA. X-ray crystallography entails taking a molecule like DNA in its purest form and embedding it a number of them, just a number of DNA molecules in different orientations into a crystal that will allow x-rays to be shown through to get an image from every side. A perfect way of imagining this is kind of like, for us scientists, this technique is our version of taking candids at a photo shoot. Except, you know, each snap we take on our camera is in high definition of our model molecule. And because you have the same molecule in different orientations in the crystal, you can hit them angles and candidates for your structure of any molecule, including DNA. Alexa, cue up Nice For What by Drake. Some of y'all will get that. You know what's funny to me? X-ray crystallography could have been very useful back in the day, especially when it came to listeners who loved Tina Marie. It's actually funny, is like her first album came out and no one knew what she looked like. And there was a disruption in the force. I don't know why I made that so dramatic. Is when her second album, Lady T, came out that we finally got recognition of who she was and she was a white woman. The fact that she was white singing soul, it threw a lot of people off. So I'm sure that X-ray crystallography would have been useful for that. At least trying to figure out who she is Where's the paparazzi when you need them? I encourage all of you to Google image DNA structure. And what you'll notice is that in the double helix, there are bigger sections and smaller sections of the helix. Those sections are the grooves. The major groove of DNA is deep and wide, kind of like I-75 in Atlanta, Georgia. On the opposite end, the minor groove of DNA is narrow and shallow. Kind of like Regina George from the movie Mean Girls. But before we get to moving and grooving down DNA and understanding it and almost turning pink like it's Wednesday, let's take a break. Hello everyone, here to bring you the song of the sound for this episode. The song this week is called Tessellate by Alt-J. You know, as I was thinking about the song that could correlate into this episode, I go back into around 2013 when I heard this particular song. It was a cover by Ellie Golding. And when I first heard the song, I've never heard the word tessellate. And tessellate just means decorating or covering a surface with repeated shapes all together without any gaps. And it ultimately corresponds to x-ray crystallography, which I just talked about. You know, you're taking something, a pattern of some sort. In this case, it's a molecule like DNA, and you're just overlaying it on a surface. For this case, it's crystals. For other cases, it could be anything like glass or plastic or whatever. In a way, it's very artistic, you know, with science as being able to overlay molecules all on a crystal and creating this image of the structure of the molecule that we're looking for. As I said before, it's a cover by Ellie Golding, 
but the song originally came from the English indie rock band called Alt-J, off their studio debut album, An Awesome Wave, in 2012. The members' names made up of Joe Newman, Gus Unger, Hamilton, Gwilym Sainsbury, and Tom Green. My favorite lyric within this song is toe-to-toe, back-to-back, let's go, my love, it's very late, till morning comes, let's tessellate. And what that relates to me is just, of course, the overlay of in the crystal, but also, how am I trying to get this data in my lab journal? I need it to cover the whole page from every toe, from every back of the page. <laughs> add this to your lab playlist, add this to your going home or going into lab playlist, and let's get back to the show. Now, you just had a history lesson on the discovery of the structure of DNA, being that it's a double helix. But now let's get into some biology. We were just talking about the major and minor grooves and their width and size or length and size. But what is their purpose? The purpose of these differing grooves involves the regulation of protein binding through different electrochemical bonds. There are different types of bonds that can occur on DNA. Hydrogen bonds, van der Waals interactions, methyl bonds, James bond. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Proteins and other biomolecules that have hydrogen groups labeled H plus are elementally positive and will bind to elementally negative sections of DNA, thus making a hydrogen bond. It's kind of like the molecules have a secret handshake between a protein molecule and DNA. And on the opposite end, when it comes to bond strength, we have van der Waals interactions, which you can consider the awkward side hug of the bio world. This happens when two or more neutral molecules get close enough together, they can become weakly attractive to each other. And with that attraction, they begin to just have this binding activity that's minimal to maybe modest. And with both of those, those are the two most common bonding activities that can occur in our biochemistry, especially with DNA. So what? Who cares? It's the question that my director of graduate studies always says in class. So I ask this again, when it comes to Tina Marie, all the way up to DNA grooves, to the history, to what was done to even figure out that DNA had grooves. There has to be a purpose for all of it, right? There is. So back in the day, we can even go back to the 1950s. When it came to therapeutics, and especially when it came to therapeutics that were found to affect DNA, there was a major con that came with it, being that they were not targeted, which means these therapeutics had no preference in the location for their effect or mechanism of action. To give an example to what this could be recalled, I go back to my elementary school days and I remember times in elementary school I would call out to my friends, like, Brianna, 
Brianna, and all five to seven to probably 10 Briannas would turn around and be like, what, 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 yes, no, hi, everything. Just multiple responses. It's kind of similar to that because these drugs not only affect the DNA, they will affect DNA like molecules, and then they will affect RNA, and then they will affect lipids, and they will affect other biomolecules. And with these therapeutics targeting everything under the sun, or under the microscope, I should say, within the cell, this leads to off-target effects, which can be correspondent to the side effects that you get when you take certain drugs. An example of these drugs that were used back in the day are platinum drugs called platins, which are known to intercalate or fit in the base pairs of DNA. It's kind of like a lock and key situation, ultimately leading to the inhibition of DNA synthesis and overall transcription. But here's the issue that it affects the major and the minor groups of DNA. There's no preference. So now that we understand these groups, it has led to the development of therapeutics that take advantage of each group's makeup. For example, for the minor groove, we have a drug called nitropsin. This is a drug that I'm fairly familiar with due to the fact I did a lot of my undergraduate work with nitropsin and understanding its binding to DNA. It's a drug that has been found to contain antibiotic and antiviral activity. It binds to the minor groove of DNA, in particular, AT-rich regions or adenine-thymine-rich regions of DNA. And its mechanism of action is actually to displace hydrogen and other proteins that keep DNA structural integrity intact. By displacing these elements, we stop DNA synthesis, which causes bacteria and viruses to die off. And there are a ton of other molecules that are set up and actually created like metropsin that have this similar effect. But what about the major groove, right? Well, while there isn't much, and this is because the major groove requires so much to actually have an effect, there's a drug called neocarzinostatin. When once bound, has been shown to have anti-tumor activity using a process called hydrogen abstraction. What happens is that this drug, with the help of an interaction with a sulfur-containing molecule called a thiol, will become a free radical species, meaning it'll react to anything, even those K text messages. <laughs> In this case, it actually, when it's radical, it will take hydrogen from the DNA in order to become stable again. And now in this present time, now that we know the ins and outs of the grooves of DNA, we can, as Tina Marie would say, dance forever and a day in new innovations to improve drug activity and learn about molecules that are able to bind to DNA. So tell me, can you get behind the groove? And scene. That is the end of the story, everyone. I'm so grateful for you all to listen. Thank you for listening to the story of Tina Marie getting behind the groove when it comes to DNA. And just this episode. 
congrats to you. Give yourselves a hand clap. This was a whole new world to me. Being able to take pauses in my story, being able to just talk it through and just tease you into the story a little bit more versus just me just blabbering on like I typically do, right? If you want to follow Scientific Sound, we have two ways of doing it. You can follow us on Instagram at Scientifically Sound, all one word. You can follow us on Twitter at the number four, the sci underscore sound. You can also email us at four, the number four, the scientifically sound at gmail.com. I will say, I'd be putting out videos, I'd be putting out content that mainly for comedic things, but also just for education, just to keep my skills sharp. You know, you can never keep your skills too sharp when it comes to understanding and communicating science. I encourage you all to look, I encourage you all to engage, because the community's growing. And with that, we're out from the South, signing off. And remember, don't drink the deionized water and tessellate that lab notebook. See ya! Hello, this is not quite scientific where our motto is almost there. That's great. How may I help you? <laughs> Cell counter. Yes, we have those. What kind were you looking for? Uh-huh. Uh, let me see if we have one in stock. Jacob. Yeah. You are needed. Yes, that'll be $15,000. What do you mean that's so high? How else are we going to pay Jacob? Jacob is our cell counter. Pretty good one, too. Counts any amount of cells at any time. Show them, Jacob. One, two, three. Hello, this is not quite scientific. We have all the pipettes you need. How may I help you? <laughs> yes, we do have five mil pipettes. How many do you need? <laughs> 500? Who do you think we are? <laughs> Correction. I said all the pipettes you need, not all the pipettes you want. <sighs> Hello, not quite scientific. Buy 20 antibodies, get one double the price. How may I help you? <coughs> ah, you need petri dishes today? We have those. Well, something like that. <coughs> well, currently we have Dimitri dishes. Periodically, our machines start making dishes into squares. They look like tiny tables. <coughs> yes, still sterile, everything the same, just a periodic table at times. Do we have a deal? <coughs> Thank you for calling.